Hole Winners on Holy Moly, Maniacs for Mini Golf, Content Creators? I guess that's the two of us. I'm Tom, and I go by the name Mr. T, and I'm one half of a couple of putts. You can find all the designs and creations by myself and my wife, the Pink Putter, over at acoupleofputts.com. And at a couple of putts, we also have mini golf course reviews over there as well. And I'm Pat, and in mini golf circles, I'm known as the Putting Penguin. I run the mini golf course review website and social media conglomerate, the Putting Penguin. I'm also a competitive mini golfer, having played in over 60 tournaments. This year, we took our talents to a podcast after spending 2020 live streaming, We're Gonna Need a Bigger Windmill, our Facebook show that covered the U.S. Season 2 of Holy Moly, along with other mini golf topics. You can find that show in the archives of our respective websites. Through the wonders of technology, we've started our run of this podcast, recapping the Australian Holy Moly Season 1, as well as the entire realm of mini golf across the world. We come in with a collection of experiences across Holy Moly's season one, as well as part of season two, and have an inside perspective of how many of the holes play in season two in the United States from our guests from our previous show. We've both dodged spinning blades, been covered in all sorts of goop, and played mini golf well, well, well past our bedtimes. We can definitely say nothing out there is like playing Holy Moly. At this point in our recording, you've probably seen the big winner of the season, and we're dangerously close to revealing it ourselves. But if not, be warned, we'll be spoiling this episode as well as making numerous references to the U.S. series. Also, if you want to see some visuals for the show after listening to this episode, check out Podcast Mini on all the socials. It feels like we're sounding a little better every episode, right? When we initially thought of launching the podcast, we thought starting out with a week-by-week recap of the Aussie season of Holy Moly with some competitor interviews and some mini-golf news thrown in would be reasonable. Who knew they would put out an entire season and then some extra episodes in less than a month? Thanks to Rob Frost for making this all sound like we're not just recording in our home offices. We appreciate all of your interest and support. In fact, if you have any questions or feedback, Don't hesitate to hit us up on social media. We're happy to hear from you. Before we jump into this episode of Holy Moly, we wanted to share a little news of the world of mini golf. For me, you can find this one recently in our Putting Penguin feed, and we'll post about it on our socials as well. But in February, there was a fun article about an Ottawa, Canada family who built a pretty nice course in their snow in their front yard. It was nine holes with some good snowdrifts to form walls and looked really fun overall. Just goes to show you can be creative with just about anything when it comes to mini golf. And as a pro tip, the Pink Putter a couple of years back created her own outdoor winter mini golf course. If you look online, you can find snow brick molds that are great for helping build your walls for an outdoor snow mini golf course. During quarantine and COVID in the last year, I've dialed into a lot of interactive trivia and games. Our fellow Holy Moly alum, 00Evan, Evan Michael, is one of the hosts on Live Play Bingo that both of us have enjoyed playing during the pandemic. When it comes to interactive mini golf games, there's an endless amount of apps out there where you aim the putter at the ball, where you set your power for how hard you want to hit the ball towards the cup in all sorts of different environments. But now there's a new app called One Shot Golf that makes a real-time analog version of that experience where you're hitting the ball with a putter and setting the aim in real time. 
It's a little hard to explain, and I'd encourage you to check it out. And you can play it for free, at least for a couple games a day. But ostensibly, you're looking at a empty room with unmanned putters that you set the power of them to hit the balls on raised surfaces that have a variety of different themes that are common in mini golf, like circuses and pirates and underwater adventures. Most of the holes have a number of targets that give you points. And with the points, you could do a number of things. In the end, it's just kind of an interesting and strange endeavor that I'm a little bit fascinated by after starting to play it yesterday. Kind of reminds me if you took like Kraftwerk, the German electronic band, and turned it into mini golf. That's the best way I can describe it. You should check out One Shot Golf on your devices. We're one step closer to Skynet taking over yet another thing in our <laughs> lives. Now to bring it on back to Holy Moly. Here's some general notes on the Aussie version of the show before we dive into the recap. There's eight competitors who go head-to-head in a bracket, one-hole tournament, with each match held on a different hole. The distractor serves as a redemption hole, giving us three players in the final. The winner takes home a gold putter, the green plaid jacket, and a chance at the super final for $100,000 Australian, which is about $75,000 US. Since you're listening, don't forget to subscribe and give us a hole-in-one rating. And with that, we're going to dive into holy moly scramble time and our recap of the matchups. Which I'm going to kick us off with our first hole, Volcano. This episode, hole number one, pits Teresa, who's a dragon boat racing cop, who's a Vietnamese refugee. She has an amazing fan section with her. They'll be cheering her on against her opponent, Bradman, a 22-year-old university student and conspiracy theorist. As if we need more of them in the world right now, especially one who's studying to become a teacher. As far as the play goes, Teresa gets a great shot into the pole position through the rocks. She takes her run at the pole. She kind of kicks off of it, doesn't grab it, ends up in the water. Bradman shoots his ball up and it bounces over into the hazard section. We'll say he did make a valiant attempt at the pole, but couldn't really get his arms out to grab it. So into the drink he goes to. Unfortunately for Bradman and fortunately for Teresa, he's a pretty terrible putter. and managed to hit his way out of the sands and put himself into the other sands and then make another putt after that. Be interested to see what unfounded conspiracy he has that leads to why he sucks so much at golf. Meanwhile, shots fired. (laughs) I'm 100% with you, though. Meanwhile, Teresa had a really good second roll. She sealed it up, moved on to the second round. Our second hole, Dutch Courage, where we have our first Dutch person, I think, in all three seasons to play Dutch Courage, Marta versus Jai, who's in real estate and formerly played rugby and unfortunately had a really unfortunate nickname because his name's Jai. His nickname's Jaina. Yikes. Family friendly. Family friendly. So we all know Dutch Courage. So both Jai and Marta get it through both windmills on their first putt. An interesting thing about Marta, and maybe Pat can comment on this later, is that she has an odd putting stance, or at least a putting stance that's not common where her feet are a little bit offset. But they both make it onto the checker green on their first putt. Jai makes it past the second windmill. Martin doesn't make it past either of the windmills. As common this season, the first windmill is just knocking everybody out. Jai has a chance to win at two because he had saved a stroke by not getting hit by the second windmill. He misses, misses again, has kind of a claw grip. So it looks like he's been putting for a while, but 
He leaves Martha with a chance to win, and she wins on her first spot on the other end and goes on to the next round. I was going to say, I didn't notice Martha's stance, but I did notice that Jai had that claw grip, which is something you frequently see among the more competitive miniature golfers versus a more standard putter grip. I remember you mentioning that putting grip last season with Chris Morales, who was the frat boy that won an episode of Holy Moly. It's very similar to Danny McCaslin, who's a multiple Masters winner. He has a claw grip like that and an amazing putter. Interesting cat, too. Our third hole of the episode is the famous slip and putt. In this episode, we've got Troy, who's a 43-year-old correctional officer who apparently has five aces on a big golf course. Pretty impressive. He's up against Nathan, who's a 35-year-old disability support worker. He also wears one of the greatest suits I've ever seen in my life, made up of comic book sounds. And if you can probably picture that in your head, just imagine the artistic version of the you know Batman sounds, except splattered all over an entire suit. Great look by him. As always with Slip and Putt, there's a lot of good falls, including a rather hilarious layout by Nathan as he was sliding back down the hill. Tom and I both know that feeling. Troy, he gets up first. With that, Nathan has the B position. He ends up getting down, ends up a little bit over on the right. Troy also gets down, has a pretty good bounce, ends up over on the left. Troy unfortunately pushes his second shot a little bit past the cup, and Nathan just nails his second to move on, and then gets to Regalis with a great bit of stripping as he has his torn pants and doesn't want to wear them anymore. Can feel you there, Nathan. Good luck by you, moving into the second round. Glad he had a pair of stretch pants underneath, or that moment would have probably not felt as fun for him, but I love how Nathan rocked that moment. The last hole of the first round is barbecue, and this is going to be the last time we're going to see this hole of the Australian Holy Moly. We have Christelle, who is a third-generation golfer, against Kim Patrick, who is a virtual receptionist and goes after prizes all over the place and seems to be fairly successful. Both of them make a good run with their putts on barbecue, and they both sit below the hole on the raised checkered picnic blanket turf hill. Both of them sit below the hole that is sitting on a raised checkered picnic blanket styled red and white turfed hill. And like everybody else on barbecue during this season, both of them fall in. This isn't to spoil what we're going to talk about after we wrap up the season, but this is one of the few holes that nobody completed the obstacle. Everybody got the stroke penalty. Nobody did better than a three on this hole. On Kim's first putt, she hits the cup on a hard putt, but that was right on the line. Cristal putts from below the cup and goes in for the win. And that's it for barbecue for the season. Cristal moves on to the next round. And on to the second round, we start off with hole number two. We have Nathan, our underdog disability worker, against Cristal, the third generation golfer. And as a little background, just because I feel like I, it's required in talking about Nathan playing is I ended up meeting Nathan briefly out in LA. I was out to the hotel to meet up with one of the other people who was recording for season one when they were filming in Los Angeles and meeting up with a fellow competitor from Australia. And I saw Nathan in his suit as I was walking into the hotel and I was thinking, that guy looks like somebody who's playing holy moly. I, on the other hand, was wearing a Goonie golf shirt, which makes it pretty obvious that I'm a mini golfer. On to the play. Nathan is set up as the underdog and is going up against Christelle, who on her first putt leaves it next to the dunny side on the right side. 
Nathan, unfortunately, on his putt, leaves it to the left side of the dunny sign, which means he's going to have to set up his next putt to even take a shot at the hole. Like almost everybody else this season, both Nathan and Christelle get knocked into the water. Nathan, following in with the tradition with the first hole, has another wardrobe malfunction. Nathan's moment, where you almost got to see a half moon, got almost a million TikTok views from the Holy Moly account, so it's probably worth it. Took a nice dive into the water as well. As I mentioned, Nathan was on the wrong side of the sign, so he had to tap it out a couple of inches to set up his next putt, which is going to be about 15 or so feet from the cup. And he nails it on that next putt. So he's in on three putts. Cristal nearly matches and almost gets it in in two putts, but has to tap it in for the win. They go to a putt off. Cristal mi- misses it. Nathan makes it. And the underdog story moves on to the finale. And he has a great jump in the water to celebrate the win. The pose that he has going into the water and that clip, I think, has been used in like half of the episodes this season. So great for Nathan. Good on you. Great form. And he makes it to the final. Our second semifinal hole this time around is Uranus. It's going to show Teresa, who won on Polcano, up event against Marta, who was our winner on Dutch Courage. Teresa's first up, and she manages to clip kind of the side of the channel. It gets this huge big bounce kind of back up the ramp, which actually slowed the ball down quite a bit and leaves her with not a terrible position off to the right of the hole. She can't quite land and hold on to Saturn, so she's into the water. Marta also misses the channel, but unfortunately she gets a huge bounce that runs all the way over into the sand. For a little while, it looks like she might make it, but can't grip and hold on to Mars. So with them both sitting three on the other side, Marta fires it way too hard out of the sand and then lifts her eight foot or so putt on the way back. Meanwhile, Teresa, nerves of steel, just knocks her right into the hole and moves on to the final. Now it's time for dissecting the distractor with the putting penguin. How many fish did this episode earn? I'll tell you in a minute. So our two folks looking for redemption this time around, it's Marta, who just lost on the Uranus hole, versus Cristal, who lost on hole number two. For this distraction, we got wrestlers. And not that college type. We're talking WWE style. Gonna break that down in a minute. First, the putting. Cristal goes first and goes just short of the cup on her first attempt, while Marta sends hers really far past. Perhaps they both might have been a bit distracted, as we haven't seen too many multiple round distractors this season. In fact, I think this might actually have been the first. So on the second go around, Cristal hits hers in while Marta once again showing a little bit too much power went way too long, so Cristal was in the final. In terms of the distraction, we had two wrestlers, Jay, Diamond Jewel, and Frank, Spaceman Hickey, both appropriately dressed in the little wrestling trunks. For this distraction, they pulled out all the good wrestling moves. We had a folding chair to the back, throwing someone on the folding table and breaking it, even breaking stunt glass, which caused even further distraction as now it was all over the green. As I believe Riggle put it, it was an all-out orgy of violence. (laughs) Thanks to that, I gave this episode, Distraction, 5 out of 5 fish. It's by far the best one we've seen so far this season. There was great energy to it. It was a recognizable theme. Stuff breaking everywhere, so you got a lot of sound. You got a lot of movement. The guys were 
good looking, very peaceful on the eye. It's broken glass all over the place to distract you. It is everything you put could have possibly wanted for a hole called the distractor. So to summarize again, five out of five fish and Cristal to the final. And so once again, our final ends up on Putter Ducky, where we have a great mix of people. We have a third generation pro golfer, a disability worker, and a cop who does dragon boat racing. On Putter Ducky, you know that you can get knocked off into the water by large inflatable ducks, and you have to hit the ball past the ducks and up a ramp past some other smaller ducks to get to the cup. Our first putter, Christelle, leaves it short without really a clear line at the cup on her second putt. Nathan leaves it short as well, but has a clear line for a long putt for two. Teresa gets it up the ramp and has a better line that's probably only about six feet out. The big advantage here is that both Christelle and Teresa are two of the few people that get past both of the oversized ducks on Putter Ducky this season and save themselves a stroke. Unfortunately for Nathan, he's once again in the water. Christelle, without a clear shot at the cup, makes a nice play off the ramp and trying to run it towards the cup but leaves it short. Nathan also leaves it short. Teresa lands her second putt and has one of the best showings on putter ducky of the season with a clean two. And we have Teresa, the dragon boat racer and cop, move on to the finale with the plaid jacket and the golden putter. All right, with the recaps done, Tom, what did I miss go this time around? The only note that I really had on this episode and kind of falls with a lot of episodes is the Greg Norman bits all fall a bit short. I don't know what it is, but Greg Norman just comes off a little stuffy. And I believe there's online comparisons of him looking like Mr. Burns. Now, that being said, in the U.S., Disney, you have the rights to The Simpsons. If you're going to keep doing animated bits on Holy Moly, you now know who should fill in. Mr. Burns. There you go. You could totally do that with the animations. So, Pat, what did I miss? I don't know if it was you missed it or I missed it. It was because we both had a chance to talk about Nathan, but um, I feel like he took a couple little pages out of our friend uh, Tom Kunkel, the uh, Yapoon mudflap with some good one-liners during the episode. And I think there was one where he, uh, somebody, a woman in the crowd or his competitor, I can't actually remember which one, had said to put it in the cup. And he said, it was the first time a lady had ever said, put it into me. So not exactly, again, a family friendly line necessarily, maybe Australian family friendly, but I found it funny either way. I loved it. Having met him and, you know, knowing the experience of waiting and waiting for your episode and then having it air and knowing that you had some sort of like wardrobe malfunctions that to have it work out the way that it did and have that underdog story and that amazing putt on hole number two, That was pretty exciting to watch in this episode. And it was overall, I thought, really great camaraderie between everybody as well. Yeah, really good, enjoyable episode. I will say it was really odd having an episode where you had both a cop and a prison guard. I don't know if they were trying to line them up to play each other in the episode, but I thought that was really funny. And honestly, I find it really hard to like root for either a cop or prison guard compared to someone who's a disability worker or a golfer. I guess I'd probably take them over a conspiracy theorist, though. Yeah, definitely the lowest of the volcano pole there. We're on to design time with Mr. T. And up this episode is a hole that both of us are quite familiar with, slip and putt. This has been one of the two holes 
that has been on all of the seasons of Holy Moly. Both Pat and I played it in season one. It came back in season two of the U.S. And of course, now it's down in Australia. Each iteration of this hole, design-wise, has been slightly different. The main thing is with this hole is that you have two people that need to race uphill on a very lubricated surface. I'd say the first season was probably not as lubricated as season two and three watching everybody. I'd also say that the angle feels a little sharper for both season two in the U.S. as well as Australia, and it doesn't seem to be as wide of a hole as well, but again, it's hard not to know after having not like seen them all in person. The surface of the hill is a soft, squishy surface, like indoor soft play playground that you might see at some sort of kids entertainment center. That kind of material can be prone to ripping, so I can get why they might want have people use specific shoes, but who knows? In season one, the shoes that they were using were more like Vans. The last two seasons have been more like a Chuck Taylor low top. Both the top and the bottom putting areas for this hole have changed with each season. The person who gets up second is disadvantaged and has the harder putt down the hill, but that putt has changed every year. The first season, you had to more or less make a four-angle putt to get down the hill in one, which our mutual friend Robin Ventura executed perfectly. The A position in season one just had to hit it off an angle, but there were a number of people that missed that putt as well. It's not as easy as it looks, especially on season one, because the top area was not turfed. It was that same soft, squishy surface. In season two of Holy Moly, they turfed the top area at the top of the slip and putt hill, and the B position had to hit the ball up a slope and then roll it back down between the legs of the polar bear. The A position in both season two in the US and in Australia is more or less just hitting it between the legs of the polar bear. Putting down near the cup has changed each season two. In season one, it was a green turf. In season two, in a nice thematic change, they actually used a light blue and white turf that matched really, really nicely with the overall aesthetic of the entire snow-themed environment. If you look at each of the seasons, you'll see little nuanced things on the whole that really nail home the winter wonderland theme. The best example I can think of a course in real life like this is if you go down to Disney World in Orlando, the Winter Summerland course has a really brilliant side where it's an all-winter-themed course has a lot of white turf and blue offsetting it and really gives you a nice wintry vibe like this. The one nice thing that I saw also in this season is that they added a little bit of snow confetti. It didn't seem like it tarred and feathered the people as I expected it to do at some point in this season, but it was a nice little touch. Otherwise, the putting area at the bottom between season two in the US and season three in Australia were about the same. It had these small little plinths that very few people hit. The cup was maybe like six feet off the wall. In season one of Holy Moly, the wall was much further away and it didn't really allow even for a possibility at a hole-in-one because the bounce was pretty far off and there were a few more little blocks preventing you from going right in the cup. I will say one thing that's really interesting about the putting is despite it being on all three seasons and there definitely being a shot at a hole-in-one, only one person this current season came even close. It's really hard to ace this one, especially with the unpredictability of the ball going down the looped hill. We'll see if this hole comes back for season three in the United States, and maybe someone will finally ace this one. And that's Design Time with Mr. T.
Okay, and now we've got our wriggle roasts and best bits. And really, there wasn't a lot of one-off things, as Tom kind of referred to. Some of the animation stuff didn't really hit this time around. But what I loved was when Riggle was talking about being a third-generation mini-golf commentator because one of our competitors was a third-generation golfer, and he was giving various different uh, show titles for his previous generations. And the one that stuck out for me was Whose Putter Is It Anyway is a show title. I personally am just a big fan of Whose Line Is It Anyway, the show, especially the more recent versions where Aisha Tyler is the host. I find it just absolutely hysterical. And so this one hit me the right way as he uttered that quick line. Ditto. I, I also took notes that the other show that I believe his father was the host of was Look at My Lucille Balls. Again, Getting a little Randy, not Randy Rice, but hi, Randy. But I thought that was a nice little bit that Rob Riggle had for this episode. And now, would you rather, and it's my turn, and if you listen to the last episode, this isn't that far off. Ooh. I've got a, I've got a, I've got a competitive spirit mini golf would you rather for Pat. So, Pat, would you rather get a hole-in-one on Putter Ducky to win a hole or... Win an episode on hole number two because your opponent three putted from six feet out. So essentially, do you want to get a hole in one to just win a hole, or do you want an episode? Want to win an episode because someone choked? It's it's the hole in one. Um, winning the episode, as always, would be nice. But one of the nice things about mini golf is celebrating your own accomplishments and we always say you're playing the course not your opponents and yes i've certainly won or taken advantage of my opponent not doing well um my particular episode of holy moly being the case in the first round (laughs) for sure but if i had to if i knew going into it i would have the choice it's absolutely the ace just to win the hole because that's a that's a personal accomplishment you can always talk about 100 percent agree i thought you might go for that it would be hard to watch someone three putt a six foot putt on that kind of a stage. I mean, it's not the most unheard of thing, especially given the pressure, but that would just be not fun to be a part of. As someone who has nine putted a hole in a competitive tournament, I could tell you it is not fun being that person. And as someone who has watched people kind of similarly blow up on holes is definitely not fun watching it either. And in part because I do think our community and Holy Moly shows this really well. You do, you always are pulling for the other person. You'd rather beat the person than have the person lose. And as always, we wrap with Big Thoughts Mini Golf. One of the reasons that I love Holy Moly the most is because on a single hole, anything can happen in mini golf. Holy Moly takes it to the next level makes an amazing environment and provides an opportunity for a major underdog story, as you saw in this episode. As someone who's been an underdog at many points in their life, I'm always going to root for the underdog. And for those of you who are considering trying out for Holy Moly, no matter what your skill is, just know with a little bit of luck and the ball rolling the right way, you too could win a hole on Holy Moly and come out a winner. And for mine this episode, a little bit of competitive rules. Did you know that under the WMF International Competitive Rules, Rule 8.3, the putter must be gripped with both hands when addressing the ball and taking a stroke, exceptions being made, of course, for individuals with disabilities when appropriate. So none of those one-handed tap-ins if you're an official international tournament. And with that, 
we're at the 19th hole. So until next time, putt one ready.